welcome to the Soul Deep podcast, where we dive deep into the edges of life where the body meets the soul. Sharing personal stories of struggle and breakthrough, the guests on this show let us know what is up when it comes to healing, happiness, and new heights of pleasure. In this episode, I have a chat with my good friend, Jessica Sinclair, who is a creative and an intuitive somewhere near the beginning of a new expansion in her life. And, you know, I wanted to get her on because I think her story is really powerful and relatable. And she is essentially in this space where She is truly embodying her truth and taking the imperfect action needed in life to really show up living in integrity and for yourself. So she really is at the beginning of this new expansion, this new chapter in her being. And I think it's really inspiring and powerful to see people where they are and take, take from this story and this conversation and and this experience and you know just add coal to the fire because the same fire within Jess is the same fire that is within you and within me and I hope that you feel that during this episode. Welcome to the Soul Deep podcast, Jess. Hi. You're my first guest. Oh my gosh, I'm so special. (laughs) (laughs) You are. It has nothing to do with the fact that we live together. Absolutely not, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) For the record, we may as well say that we do live together. Mm -hmm. Um, should, Should we talk about how we met? Yeah, it's it's a really, really good story. (laughs) It is. Do you want to tell it or should I? Um, can I tell it? Yeah, you go. Okay, so um, I moved, I actually moved to Sheffield um, January of 2020 and I was at an open mic night, as was SJ, um, on, it was a verse matters um, and she was performing and as she was performing in my head, I was like, I want to be friends with that girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, a while later, um, we arrived at a similar open mic uh, together again. And uh, I performed and you thought, I want to be friends <laughs> with this bitch. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And then um, my friend Harry started seeing someone. Uh, and then uh, he posted a picture of her on, on his story. And lo and behold, twas I. It was you. <laughs> so really, we just used Harry so that we could get together. Yeah. And move in together. <laughs> exactly. Literally. We have been creating magic ever since. It was It was honestly so good because then... I met you. I finally got to make friends with the incredible poet who wrote the poem about coffee. Mm-hmm. Then I joined your moon friends group where mm-hmm. we do like moon rituals every single new and full moon, mm-hmm. which are incredible, by the way, that we should definitely maybe talk about at some stage. Um, but because I was in this group with you mm-hmm. and it was such a safe haven for me of souls that I truly vibe with mm-hmm. when I was going through a bit of a shit time in my previous living situation I had enough and I put into that group I need someone to live with I have to move out of this house ASAP and on the very same day yeah. you had said that you just came home to your house and you were like I need a change mm-hmm. I am seeking something smaller like this kind of thing and it was just like pure alignment total synchronicity and like now we have this a beautiful apartment together we do it was like perfect synchronicity I think like when I posted it in the group you're like are you kidding I'm just looking on spare room now (laughs) (laughs) literally so good yeah so good now we have our own little haven (laughs) it's so true that's right did you post it in the group first I think I might have done, but you might have been talking about it before oh, that you were maybe thinking about it. It all happened so fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's so weird. I feel like we're we're just two sides. No, we're not two sides of the same coin. We're like 
one side of one coin <laughs> like living with you we both do yoga we yeah. both do tarot we're yeah. both like extremely witchy yes. and yeah it's really cool so yeah we are recording this in our beautiful apartment and it's quite a moody day it's very aesthetically pleasing it's a bit dreary outside so you might get some nice uh sounds of rain in the background mm-hmm. um or you might get some really annoying sounds of sirens and uh, <laughs> fire brigades i guess fire truck fire truck yeah. i never know what to say here in the uk okay <laughs> um so we're gonna dive in the first question i want to ask you is what brings your soul to life Ah, uh, this one's hard because I feel like there's so much, but um, like connecting with similar minded people such as yourself mm. and being able to laugh and smile and joke around really brings my soul to life, um, as does like diving deep into the magic and mystical things of life, especially weird coincidences that just keep happening um, and diving deep into art and into nature and just getting lost for a, for a little while um and just experiencing beauty as it unfolds in both nature and in art so it's Mm. not a simple answer but it's (laughs) many things bring my soul to life oh I feel that I feel that especially the element of getting lost Mm. I definitely feel like when we blur the lines between ourselves and what we're experiencing and you enter this realm almost of being lost in whatever it is that you're doing, if you're getting lost in poetry, or you're getting lost in music, or you're getting lost in nature, I definitely see how the veil is thin, and your soul can really, you know, come forth, and you feel almost connected to the the energy that lies behind all of this sort of material. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I feel that especially when I'm getting lost in nature, and I'm just like allowing my feet to carry me, and then you just like seal like suddenly everything seems more beautiful everything seems to be happening for a reason the reason that you went down this route instead of this route and it's just I don't know it brings brings a little joy to your step and like you're a little kid like exploring and just not caring where you're going it's a it's a really nice experience <laughs> literally 100 if you are stressed go find a tree and stare at it basically <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um incredible so Let's talk about some things about yourself. So I think you're a really awesome person, but I don't want to do all the introduction. I'll let you do that because you can do it better than I can. So please let us know like anything about yourself, um, what it is that you do and who it is that you are. Okay. Uh, I'm Jess. (laughs) Uh, I am an illustrator and a tarot reader. Um, I love with my tarot really looking at the weird patterns and synchronicities that kind of happen in our lives. Um, And I see a lot of repeating numbers everywhere. And I kind of uh, weave that into my readings because uh, numbers really speak to me. And I think that also might be part because I'm an accountant's daughter. So (laughs) (laughs) numbers have to come somewhere. Slightly different branch of accountancy, but (laughs) numbers nonetheless. (laughs) Exactly. No one's going to be coming to me to do their taxes. (laughs) People like, I'm feeling some bad energy in this uh, tax report. There's, there's a lot of uh, fives. Yeah, fives symbolize bad things, bad changes. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't want to deal with this. Uh, uh, but um, I, uh, yeah, I'm an illustrator, and I'm really like trying to branch out my illustration work at the moment because um, I used to be a graphic designer, and before that, I was doing some other stuff. Um, but yeah, really trying to find my feet footing as a creative. I'm also a poet and a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a really writer. fucking good one. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it means a lot come from you. Thanks. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm writing a novel at the moment, uh, which is on if, if your energy had a superpower, what would it be? Uh, which is kind of my um, springboard off uh, a question that I really like to ask people, which is like, um, if you could have an additional ability that would help you in your everyday life, what would it be? Because mm. I like the whole idea of like superpowers, not just being like super strength, but like mm. related to your personality. So I'm writing, I'm writing a novel about it. <laughs> That's really cool. I'm excited to read it. I'm excited to write more of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Incredible. So in summary, Jess is a badass creative <laughs> with many, many different outlets and a big fat crush on numbers. Um, so you're here because I know that you have a pretty amazing story to share, mm. one that I think a lot of people will relate to and one that I think is almost like your dark night of the soul in a mm. sense um, because everything about you that we've just learned is creative but I know that that wasn't always true yeah. so I would love to ask you invite you to share your story and maybe tell us a little bit about um, how you found the soul in it the light and mm. and how you are who you are today cool well, yeah, like, a, as you said, like, I've just described a lot of things of me that are creative, but it's really only been maybe in the last, like, six months or so that I've really accepted the fact that I am a creative person. Um, and that kind of seems a bit weird to say, but, like, my whole life so has been very focused on academia, on, like, finding that stable job where you get into it, you stay in it, you're, you settle with your family, you find a partner, you find a house and you create your life and it's safe and that's it. Um, and that's kind of been my previous journey. So I am, um, uh, before I was doing all the work that I'm doing now, uh, I was working in human rights and international development um, because like something that I know that is my truth and has known probably for my whole life is that I'm here to help people. Um, and a university that was kind of presented as, oh, you go into charity work, that's how you help people. Um, so I was like, right, okay, so on my path, because as I've been taught, you plan out your life 10 years in advance. Mm -hmm. It's like, I need to be doing something that's helping people, therefore I need to do a master's in order to get into human rights. Mm -hmm. So I did a master's in human rights and international development, which was, can I swear on the podcast? You can swear. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> which is an absolute mind fuck because it was just it was so interesting to learn but it just wasn't me and I'm not very good at writing essays I'm good at writing creatively but just not essays mm -hmm. um but I was like right I'm gonna do my master's and then I'm going to get a job in human rights and then that's gonna be my trajectory for the next however many years mm -hmm. um but it was after my master's I found it really difficult to find a job because mm. I didn't know what job I wanted in human rights. Mm. Again, all I knew is that I wanted to help people. Um, so I, well, I was searching for jobs, coming up dead ends, like internships that were unpaid, some that were fulfilling, but not anything that was really sticking. Um, and then I landed a job in Cambodia and I thought it was like the, the big, the real deal. It was like, I get to work in communications and I get to work with women who have dealt with sexual and uh, gender-based violence. Mm. And I get to do all this really cool work. Um, and I got there and it turned out the projects I wanted to work on had already ended. And there was only one project and that it was ending in a couple of months. And mm. I had a year long contract and they basically given me one thing to do that took me a month. Um, and it was soul destroying. Really? It was awful because the projects that we were working on um, was these learning centers in uh, provinces, like very remote provinces. Um, and they were like vocational training courses. And one of them was a sewing course. But what we found was that all the, all the people that took the course were women and they would take the course and uh, learn the basics of sewing. And then they would go and work in the garment factory. Ugh. And I've I've seen the people coming out of the garment factory and they are literally loaded onto the trucks like cattle. Like they are sardines in a can. They are mm. spilling out of cars. Like it's just like chaos. Mm. And the fact that we were contributing to this just like destroyed me. Cause I was like, I'm oh. not doing, I'm doing more harm than I'm doing good here. And I'm getting. And you thought you signed up for something that was literally going to change so many mm -hmm. lives, and like what you really felt was going to be one of the best possible things that you could do, and then mm -hmm. to realize that this was part of the problem. A hundred percent, and just and just seeing how much like working in NGOs contributes to 
uh like to poverty mm. because it was like we in Cambodia it has the most and like below Haiti it has the most NGOs per capita or like whatever it's just so many um and they take over like government institutions so infrastructure like hospitals or like waterways it's all NGO run mm. but the problem is that you have like a year um a year project or a two-year project mm. and then it's over yeah. there's no one to take over it because the government isn't accountable and it, it was just I, and I could I could go into it because it's yeah. like I, it, but I work because it's, like, it's a big rant but it was but just... it is important it is important and it's it's moments like that that make you question everything mm -hmm. you know your path up until this point was hard enough and you thought you really found the key mm -hmm. and then to realize that it wasn't a damn key it was mm. something so much worse yeah. um that's pretty hard to deal with um definitely because it was like it was literally in my head I was like wow I'm gonna be going to a foreign country I'm gonna be doing some really great mm. work and like it wasn't all bad because I had uh they gave me a week's worth of training on um Adobe I think it was Adobe InDesign and Photoshop interesting yeah. interesting and it was there that I discovered that oh wow I love graphic design this is really cool like wow. I can get myself really lost in this and I'm really good at it because I'm I'm really good with computers mm. so it was like this mesh of like oh I get to be creative and also I can use computers so it was like it was a really for that for, for that it was a, a really great experience because yeah. it was where I kind of broke into a new passion which started off as graphic design. Um, so I had that year contract. Uh, and also if I hadn't have gone there, I started up a, um, a spoken word night in Phnom Penh, yes. uh, which is the capital city with uh, called Feminist Voices. That was a space to uplift voice we don't, voices we don't know usually hear in the mainstream. Mm. Oh my God, it was such a beautiful experience. Like there was, it was super popular and it was super, it was just amazing to hear so many people reading their work and some people didn't read their work, but they read other work, but mm. everyone was really involved. And to see people grow in that space, like one of my friends, Molka, she, when I first met her, she was really like in, like she was, she was quite depressed. She was quite introverted. Like she, she was, she's an extroverted person normally, but she mm -hmm. just wasn't in her power. And then to watch her grow over the next few months and to see her perform and to mm. see her read stories. And it was just so beautiful. Mm, the um, power of poetry. Oh is, my God. And spoken word especially. 100%. It's real. So it's interesting how you were in this experience and in Cambodia. And, you know, on the one hand, your dreams have been crushed. Mm. And on the other hand, you find this uh, little piece of gold in what was for lack of a better word, all the shit. Um, and you discovered something about yourself um, that you didn't anticipate. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you also were creating. So what you created was a space and it mm -hmm. was also a very creative pursuit. It was spoken word, it was, and it was super feminist. And it was all the things that you mm -hmm. sort of low key stood for and what brought you here in the first place anyway. So even though the career was kind of, you know, unraveled as not something that was in alignment with who you are. And, you know, in fact, uh, on a bigger scale, a very big problem, you also find um, some magic. Definitely. Like, I, I know at the time I was in a really like bad place with work. Like mm -hmm. I would get panic attacks at work. Like it was just horrible. But at the same time, I'm so grateful because without it, mm. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to start this amazing space and like host it for so long mm. and to also discover a passion that I didn't realize I had. Mm. So how did you get from this point from Cambodia, having your dreams pretty mm. much like shattered and then finding creativity to where you are now? How did you, how, what was that turning point and how did you get through that mm. so I actually like after my contract ended um I stayed in Cambodia for another year 
because I it was then that I was like I can go freelance because uh I've got this skill and this skill is needed freelance as as a graphic designer oh okay cool um but I uh made the mistake as most I think freelancers make when they first start up where they take or you take everything you can and you don't value yourself enough Mm. so I was working myself stupid like I was working like five to seven like five to seven days a week, like mm. one three week stretch, I was working every single day. Um, and I I was earning maybe $600. The struggling artist, yes. right? Why, why do you think that was? Why do you think when you started out as a freelance graphic designer, that you did not feel worthy of like a high pay, mm. or that you felt the need to put in all the time and, and effort and not get the payback and really embody that um, archetypal struggling artist that we've come to know? I think part of it was just, I didn't, I didn't know that I I could put such a worth on uh, myself. Like whenever I would send off a quote, Mm -hmm. I'd go into this huge spiral being like, oh God, I've asked for too much money. I've asked for too much money. And Mm -hmm. like looking back on it, it wasn't enough money. but I think there was just always something where it's like your creativity isn't worth, isn't valuable. Mm-hmm. Like there was always something in that, in the back of my head. Yeah. And because for so much time before this point, you had placed worth and value and money and career on this realm of, you know, helping people in, in a different manner mm-hmm. um, with your previous work and your human rights work and what you studied at university and all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So then to start trying to own being creative, it almost fra- felt fraudulent or what 100%. did it feel? It felt like huge imposter syndrome. Wow. Like people, I remember they say, oh yeah, you've got a creative eye. You, you, can, you can sort this out. And I'm like, I don't have a creative eye. I don't know what you're talking about. And is that because, is that because you were, you know, your creativity wasn't fostered? Mm. or or what was it because what I'm interested in that I just find so interesting about you is that since the day I met you you've just screamed creativity at me (laughs) you've screamed creative potential creativity and like a very kind of niche artsy style like Mm. I'm an artist but we're very different in our Mm -hmm. styles um but I still know an artist when I meet one you know yeah and I'm just curious as to how who you are as an artist was not always there. I think like when I was growing up, it was I never saw anyone in my vicinity taking a creative career. Like mm. I just didn't even realize being a full-time creative was even a possibility mm. because everyone around me was having like going into high paying jobs or just like bog standard office jobs or restaurant work. It was like, you don't even, you don't even try. Mm. Like, why would you even bother? So you very quickly put artist and creativity in the box of will always struggle is not worthwhile, mm-hmm. will not earn money. Yeah. And therefore it did not have value or worth. So exactly. whenever you decided to pursue it, you were very much in the, you put yourself in that box then. Yeah, and even like, there's this memory of when I was at school and I must have been, it was GC, around GCSE time and they had um, this job fair. And I remember very distinctly going up to the drama guy and him being like, don't even bother. <gasps> don't even try. Why? Like, he was like, you'll get rejected. It's not worth it. Don't even bother. Oh my god! I know. And that like really struck me because I was like, oh, oh, well, what else can I, can I do? And I was like walking around being like, no, that's boring. That's boring. I guess PR because that sounds okay. Yeah. But it was just like from every turn. And like, even when I was younger and in year seven, uh, I remember an art teacher telling me my art was shit. Um, Oh, we've uh, (laughs) all had that. I'm pretty sure some of the most well-known artists in the world, their art teachers said their art was shit. Like it's, it is ridiculous, but it just goes to show, doesn't it? Like the, the damage that that can cause. Mm. And isn't it Peter Crone who says life will present you with the people and the circumstances to show you where you are not free. Mm. And I find like that's so true. Um, And it's one of those things where growing up and as you know we sort of go grow through our teenage years I'm sure it's 
you know, different for everyone, but in some way, shape or form, you're going to be presented with pushback of someone or something that's trying to keep you small. Yeah. I mean, like, it's going to apply to everyone in some scale. Like, we live in a patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. But then you look at high school, you know, I've definitely had those experiences with teachers and sort of coaches and kind of like uh, people who you look up to, mm-hmm. you know, really almost limit your potential and those things can be super hard to shake later in life and like I've had it with my art I've had it with you know different areas of academia you know grades all this kind of thing it's so easy to collect you know what people tell you and then use it use what use that thing that someone you know pushed you down with Mm -hmm. and then use it to validate a a low self of worth within yourself so you, yes. you can prove to yourself, oh, I am, I am actually shit because this one time this teacher said to me, you're shit, so I must be shit. Yes. So then when we do that, we keep we keep ourselves small because there's a fear there, a fear of being great, a fear of being good, a fear of having a good time. Yes. And then the fear that comes with creativity as well, you know, um, which there's a lot around that. But it is very interesting. So it's, it is telling to know why it took mm-hmm. you sort of so long to actually realize god damn I'm creative um and what what I find really funny is even though this whole time you know we're we're thinking about whenever you were in Cambodia even though this whole time you were like I'm not creative um and oh cool I got this like Adobe software thing I can learn and this is really easy but I'm not creative really you were still like creating that open mic space but I I imagine at the time you probably weren't even labeling that as creative you were more labeling it as a thing that's really good to do because you still wanted to help people yeah (laughs) Um, but you were actually just being super creative yeah exactly and I think like creative is such a broad term I think you can be creative in everything that you do in terms Mm -hmm. of like cooking what you wear like Mm -hmm. clothes you buy and all that kind of thing and I I remember being at a a a party and uh, someone came up to me and they were like of course you're creative just look at you and it just made me feel so awkward because it's like I love like the best thing in Cambodia like I was it was a crazy place to live but they had these Japanese secondhand shops where it was dirt cheap some places it was like you pay by the kilo and it was like a dollar a kilo or something um and I just like bought all these crazy clothes and like because so many people were coming and going I'd inherit like this dress I inherited <laughs> and it's like I just I just loved it because you could like accept like a be mm. creative in the way that you dress um so I think like being a creative is not just in like what you do it's like in who you are and who you present yeah. yourself as. I bet you were almost overcompensating for the fact that you weren't creating literal <laughs> art so you were like doing crazy hairstyles wearing like all the clothes all the colors like yes. as much as you could do because you had to channel it somewhere Definitely. um which is really really funny um okay so you went through this discovery in Cambodia holy mm-hmm. shit I actually really enjoy being creative mm-hmm. and at this time it's digitally and within creating space um How did you get to where you are now? Because what I see now is someone who doesn't question that they're creative. I want to know what was the work that you did or what was the process that you went through that made you authentic in your creativity and own who you are? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess my big breakthrough moment was like, because I've always been interested in manifestation because I feel like I'm a very magnetic person and like I like to play these little games with the universe where you manifested me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We manifested each other. We did. We... <laughs> um, and also when I go shopping, like often when I go to charity shops when they're open, I'll like imagine what I want to buy. I'll be like, right, I like with my I have a really nice coat, and I was like, right, I want a long black coat and I want it to be like between 10 and 15 pounds. Right, got it in my head, let it go. And the next shop I went to, I found it and it was like 12 pounds or something. Incredible. So I like, I know in myself that manifestation is a thing. And a friend of mine had been sharing a lot of Lacey Phillips's uh, podcast episodes with me. And I started listening to a few Mm. on my walk because she has this, her idea of manifestation is like when you are in a place of high self-worth and you have unblocked all your limiting beliefs um, and reprogrammed your brain 
she deals with neural manifestation where you kind of reprogram the neural path- pathways in your brain. Mm, it's almost like hypnosis, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, the then you will become more magnetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was doing a deal on her unblocking money uh, course. And I was like, you know what? I really like, I'm having so many limiting beliefs around money because I had, was doing this project that was like a, trying to help NGOs with their design work and trying to make the world a better place through design. And it just wasn't making money. I was stressed out constantly Um, with my ex. It was like this whole big thing about Mm -hmm. like bringing him to the UK and money situation there. And I started this course and I can't remember which, uh, which part of it it was, but it was just this breakthrough where it was like, imagine, I think it was like, imagine your most authentic self. Mm. And it was like, oh my God, I am a creative person. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just this. Everyone's else, like, everyone else is like, catch up, Jazz <laughs> We've been here for years. Exactly. It's like you came out of the creative closet. <laughs> like, everyone already knew. <laughs> exactly. We see how you've been dressing. We know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but it was really like that course was so healing because it helped me to also see where my blocks and my limiting beliefs mm-hmm. are with my money. But it also introduced me to my shadow and introduced me to like shadow work in such a beautiful way. Because there was one meditation where it was like, imagine you're pulling out all the parts of yourself that you deem unworthy, unlovable, everything that you hate about mm-hmm. themselves, pull it out and like view it in front of you. And then it was like, that is your shadow. Oh. And then it was said, so ask what you need, what your shadow needs and embrace your shadow. And I, I think I did that one like two or three times because it was just so powerful. Oh. Mm, I know this is a juicy episode, my friends. And if you're vibing, go ahead, take a screenshot, upload it to your story and tag Soul Deep Podcast so I can see. And if possible, leave a review on whatever platform you're streaming from. This really helps the podcast grow, reach more people and connect like-minded souls. And if you want to go even deeper, become a Soul Deep patron for as little as £1.11 per month, where you'll get access to exclusive Soul Deeper sessions with the guests on this show where we spill juicy tea and give you free love, guidance, and advice. Search Soul Deep Podcast on Patreon and join the community. So really, it was that shadow work, that kind of mini manifestation synchronicity of the Lacey Phillip course that really was your biggest tool of transformation yeah okay it was so so helpful just to see where I was holding myself back because I was living too much in my shadow and I was letting it really dominate who I was because I was living so much in these shoulds because I had such a big fear of failure and um why even bother and all these kind of limiting beliefs that were coming from my shadow that investigating it and like hearing what it needed and trying to reintegrate that was just so healing for me to kind of take steps forward like necessary step forwards outside of my comfort zone mm-hmm. and for that to also be sustainable because it was like I've done so much healing work but it's always I've always been stuck in these patterns and cycles um and shadow work has really allowed me to like dig into them mm. Yeah, when when you say that, I feel it so much how often we find ourselves in cycles and patterns Mm. and we're like, but I'm doing the work, I'm doing the healing. But sometimes, you know, it's not about just focusing on healing, it's about the re-patterning, right? This is something we talked about a lot, isn't it? How you can't just whip out a pattern Mm. in your brain, you have to re-pattern it. Yeah. So instead of just saying, you know, like I... I am not worthy. You're you're reusing that I am worthy because yeah, mm. exactly because it's it's no it's no good just like ripping it all off and like seeing what's underneath because like it's got to heal itself somehow mm-hmm. like a wound does. 
Um, and it's, it's, you've got to re reprogram it so that you are taking those steps towards your best self. And you're not just like repatterning with old patterns, but just with a different mask on. Literally. And it's not just about thinking it either. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where, you know, we get a bit of a fallback in psychotherapy because you can intellectualize something and you can think it till the end of time yeah. but the true way to create change is like you said integration mm -hmm. and embodiment and in order to do that you must feel yes. so it's feeling your way through mm -hmm. so for anyone who is unfamiliar with shadow work uh the shadow is a psychological term for everything that we cannot see in ourselves or that we see maybe in others that we dislike. So it's your unconscious essentially. And exploring your shadow can lead to greater authenticity, creativity, energy, and in Jess's case, a little bit of personal <laughs> awakening. <laughs> um, it's from Jungian psychology and a quote from Carl Jung is that there is no light without shadow and no psychic wholeness without imperfection. So essentially shadow work involves becoming aware of personal beliefs, feelings, and parts of yourself that you have been long avoiding or denying mm -hmm. and you know a lot of us can be intimidated by it I know I was um when I first came across shadow work because we have been resisting these darker elements of ourselves for a reason it is uncomfortable it is yes. scary your ego does not want you to confess that far beneath the surface there are negative or even destructive desires mm -hmm. but you know ignoring your shadow will never stop your shadow from sabotaging your life yes <laughs> <laughs> you can like repress it all you want but it's gonna come out at some point and it will come out unconsciously mm -hmm. yeah so that's exactly it your the feelings of your shadow will remain out of your control mm -hmm. and this is where the integration comes from because the goal of shadow work is to shine a light on this shadow self and to integrate it so that you have a more of a, con a conscious choice and a greater self-acceptance and self-awareness and that yes. you essentially can run the show yes 100 percent. beautiful do you continue to do shadow work then or yeah so um i'm at the moment i'm trying to approach shadow work from a very gentle perspective because in the past um, whenever I have seen, like, heard of something with shadow work or something that can heal me entirely, um, then I've been like, yes, I must do it. I must do it. Mm. And then I'll go so deep into it that I'll end up hurting myself in the process <sighs> because I'll be so keen to like rip off the wound that I kind of lose myself and I'll find myself spiraling back down this big spiral that I've spend ages getting out of and then I'm back in that really horrible pit of self-worth low self-worth mm. so I think like shadow work is amazing but be gentle be gentle a hundred percent it's it's like like because you don't know what you're going to get triggered by mm -hmm. and I think now I'm I'm approaching it from this standpoint of like acceptance because there's a lot of stuff that's happened to me in my life, which mm. has been out of my control and has traumatized me. I, whenever that something comes up and it brings that up in the past, it's just been like, oh, oh God, that's awful. I have so much resentment, anger, like all of this. And I keep, I turn it inwards. And, and then, then like suppress, suppress, suppress. Exactly. Mm. And then the shadow grows bigger in terms of all that shame. Mm -hmm. So now I'm approaching it from this place of like, this happened to me. I can see it in the context that it happened. Mm -hmm. And now I'm trying to move past it and integrate it into myself so I can become more of a whole being. So I'm, I'm still doing Lacey Phillips's course, mm. but taking it real slow. And then Harry got me the Dark Side of the Light Chasers. Oh, such a good book by Debbie Ford. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have it in Audible. I, she actually reads it herself as well. Oh, that's amazing for those meditation yeah. ones. Yeah, so mm. I'm, I'm making my way through that as mm. well. Um, but it's just, it's really, I'm doing my own kind of version of shadow work. Yeah. Because I know that I, in order for these foundations that I have in myself to stay strong, mm -hmm. for me to really ground into Jess as a creative person, Jess is going to go out and do stuff, I need to be careful 
with shadow work. Absolutely. And I think it is absolutely remarkable that the taste, well, you've had more of a taste, but the experience and exposure you've had to shadow work so far mm. has had such a huge impact. And I yes. think as creatives, as spiritual babes, whenever we find <laughs> a new like outlet, mm-hmm. we have a tendency to go all in. Oh, yes. But sometimes that is actually more destructive than it is good. Mm-hmm. So err with caution, mm-hmm. be gentle, and also have a good facilitator. Yes. So I touch upon shadow work in my work, but I am not a shadow work facilitator. I'm very cautious around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do actually have a shadow work facilitator coming on the pod. Ooh, that's yes. exciting. His name is Rainier, and I don't know what episode he's coming on in, but he's coming on soon, and he's based in the States, and he's really, really good. Amazing. Yeah, hoping to get a bit of a free sesh out of the podcast. <laughs> But who knows? Um, So yeah, air with caution and shadow work is incredibly powerful Mm -hmm. um, in in the little tastes that you get it in. I think a lot of it is having the right uh, framework and mindset to go Mm -hmm. into it. It's not something you can just dive in. Mm -hmm. It's really setting aside that time and intentions. Like even when you, like the way you would do journaling and Mm -hmm. tarot, you would have to go into shadow work with the same ethos like Mm -hmm. there is one hour set aside Mm -hmm. I am present my phone is off yeah and I'm gonna dive in with these questions with these meditations with whatever it is and I would suggest that you probably kind of do like a sort of level of shadow work when you do tarot definitely because tarot is really it's, it's not fortune telling or telling you the future it's really showing you where you're blocked and showing you what is at play underneath the veil of our reality or under underneath the veil that makes you that is causing you to take these actions Mm. and causing you to fall into these patterns so i think tarot is definitely like a part of shadow work Mm. and it's a it's a beautiful way because it kind of shows you a story and in the pictures and in imagery and it's like a little detective game yeah so i like to see it and journaling as well like is it's really powerful to just stream of consciousness, right, 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 right. Like mm. I've been doing the morning pages from the artist's way, which is three A4 pages. Every morning. Every morning. <laughs> uh, some mornings it's harder than others, but it's so healing because you're like, all that fuzz in my brain, it's now on this paper. And also I have something to refer back to yeah. that is, I don't know, it's, it's great for, as well for unblocking creativity. Like if you're feeling really creatively mm. blocked, then journaling is stream of consciousness. It really helps. Absolutely. I just think it's incredible that you went from Jess working in human rights behind a desk, mm. taking calls, planning things to being an incredible graphic designer when you were doing it, mm-hmm. then being such a a good illustrator like I say good it's not condescending like I just love the way you illustrate it's super playful and childlike and the colors that you use Mm. and the little expressions fantastic to be an incredible writer and a poet your poetry has just absolutely blossomed and being a tarot reader an oracle reader like you've just completely flipped the script and it's just hilarious because before this like you were so gray like do you know what I mean you're so black and white so gray like you always low key were super creative and artistic, mm-hmm. but then you just like stepped into it, embodied yeah. it, and it's so tangible now. Definitely. And I'm so glad that I did because I like a goal for me for this year is to take on like to wake up in the morning and feel joyful and excited to start work. And I've started to feel that. And like that's because I've really lent into my creative my creative side Mm. Um, and that's been yeah super powerful incredible I think that your story is the perfect example of the creative wound Mm -hmm. and you know most people have tried to be creative in an unsafe environment at some stage where they've been shamed corrected evaluated or graded much Mm -hmm. like the whole school thing that we were talking about yes 
and raw, unpolished and unfiltered creativity, like all other expressions of the feminine, in my opinion, has been oppressed for far too fucking long. (laughs) Agreed. Causing no end of problems. And this has left such a huge creativity wound within all of us and a strong inner critic who essentially steals our innate power to explore and express the parts of ourselves that the logical mind cannot. And I think as well, like, I think our inner critic isn't necessarily bad. Mm. I think the inner critic, you know, speaks for many reasons. It could be to improve our behavior, to help uh, foster healthy habits, to approach projects effectively and thrive for performance. But the inner critic is not useful when it seeks to shame, embarrass, or frighten us out of being creative. (laughs) Um, In my work, creativity is not only a tool that we can use for healing and growth, but also for pleasure Mm. and for transformation, much like you have just proven. (laughs) Um, So for anyone listening, it is time to reclaim your creative power and step into your higher self and enrich your experience of life so you can show up for yourself confidently and take ownership over your unique expression. (laughs) (laughs) What advice would you give to someone who's currently suffering and struggling from a creative wound? Mm. I think my, the best way I've worked through blocks is to approach it from this place of play and curiosity and to really have like try and have as much fun as you can because I think as you said like so many people are stuck in this oh I I can't I can't draw I can't be an artist oh I can't paint oh I can't write but like approaching it from this playful position where you're like I'm just gonna have fun with it I'm just gonna like put some colors across the page that look nice and I'm just gonna explore what these different textures are going to look like what these different colors I think that's really that's been really powerful for me um and like to go along with that someone once said to me just make the shittest art you could ever make (laughs) that is the best (laughs) advice that is so good write the shittest poem yep draw the shittest picture yep literally just do it just draw as bad as you think you can (laughs) and you'll be amazed at your results (laughs) I love that I love that so much okay so before we end this podcast I would really love to ask you that if you could go back and visit your child self Mm. what advice would you give them don't don't grow up in the sense of losing your imagination because I think I had such a beautiful imagination when I was a kid and I'm starting to get it back um but I I was too much in like the shoulds of the world. Um, I also say to her to just like, keep being weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Cause I was, I was bullied as a kid for being weird. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really hurt. Uh, But uh, I think I would tell my younger self that there's a place for weirdos like me. Uh, (laughs) It'll take me a while to get there, but trust, (laughs) trust you will find your fellow weirdos. Oh my gosh, I love that. Big fat relate as well. Um, incredible. So where can people find you, Jess? So you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my tarot and self page is Jessica underscore sync, which is S-Y-N-C. Uh, and then you can follow my art and poetry at Jessica illustration underscore. So thank you so much for coming on. And I'm excited to record our Soul Deeper session now. Me too. Mm -hmm. Just for those who are subscribed. So if you want to get that juicy little Soul Deeper session with Jess, we're going to dive into numerology now, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, Make sure you are signed up to my mailing list. Until then, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And yeah, that's it from me and Jess. Yeah, it's been lovely. And by signing up to the Soul Deep mailing list, what I really mean is becoming a Soul Deep patron. So I decided a little while after recording this episode with Jess that what 
my heart's desire truly is with this community, with the soul deep listeners is to create a conscious space online where it is safe to share this content at a deeper level and to really give to you to give to this community from my heart space. So I've created a Patreon page and there are three different tiers for you to choose from. And they are all super affordable, by the way, of course. It's more of a energetic engagement and support that I'm seeking here. So the first tier is the soul radio and it's only one pound and 11 pence per month and with this you'll have access to the exclusive soul deeper sessions that I record with my open and willing soul deep podcast guests and in those sessions we get real juicy and real deep real quick And then the second tier is called soul love and with soul love or becoming a soul lover you will have access to those soul deeper sessions as well as weekly insights and resources into my current soul work body healing and manifestation mindset so that will look like reading extracts and sort of personal experience posts and things like that and then finally if you want to become a soul fire tier patreon a soul fire flame, what you will receive is access to those soul deeper sessions, access to those insight posts and resources, and finally, exclusive monthly guided visualizations and embodiment meditations for healing, happiness, and love. So as the tiers go up, it goes from £1.11 to £2.22 and you guessed it, £3.33. If you feel so called to join this conscious corner of the internet, then please find the link in the show notes below. Thank you so much for listening. That is the end of our episode, friends. Thank yourself and your soul for continuing to show up and tune in to Real Talk and Good Vibe podcasts like this. Don't forget, if you want exclusive access to the Soul Deeper sessions, click the link in the show notes below to become a Soul Deep patron and stay up to date with the show on Instagram. Until next time, remember you are a star wrapped in skin and nestled within your flesh and bones is everything that you need to feel.